www.cliffcentral.com Whoa, Dory. Paolo, here we are again. <laughs> here we are again. Um, slightly unexpected. Hey, it's sort of like the, the show we joked about having, but we never thought we'd really have. Wow. Wow. Um, so, look, if you, if you don't know why we're here, so my name is Paolo and my lovely assistant here is Dory. And we normally on Clips Center, we host an 80s show. Yeah. A bit of a flashback. And, you know, the running gag is, and it's not a gag, it's, then it's a running gag of our life, is George Michael is the man that we love more than any other 80s icon. Because Wham! was the best band ever and still is to this day. And still is to this day, you know, the, the best um, apostrophe ending Named band ever, and uh, you mean wha- exclamation point ending, exclamation Apost- mark ending, punctuation, punctuation, ending? punctuation is what I yes. meant there. I'm so okay. distraught, Dorian. I know distraught. we're very distraught. Um, and yeah, so we wake up to the news. Um, Boxing Day, Christmas Day, Christmas Day, Boxing no, Day. No, it was Boxing Day. You're it was correct. Boxing Day. Yeah. And uh, George Michael has left this earth of ours, and it's like wow. That's like I'm normally not touched by celebrities dying, but that was a bit of a. Like I say, we knew the headline would come. Yeah. George Michael dead at XX. Um, But just, you know, you just never, you know, when it happens, it was very unexpected. Although, considering the year that has been, we should have kind of expected it, perhaps. So, uh, look, that's that's another conversation. But I'm like, did more celebrities really die this year than any other year? Or is it just the internet made it a thing? I think also it's just the fact that these really well known icons are. A, getting older, B, taking more drugs. We're all getting older. So I think, honestly, that next year is going to be even worse. I, I think that's it. It's, it's, uh, it's not so much that they're dying. It's more that people that are in our sphere of reference yeah. are dying. I mean, obviously, you know, for, for us, we spoke in, in our show the other day. We did David Bowie. We did um, Prince. Prince. Um, then Carrie Fisher. And today, Carrie, well, yesterday, Gary, Carrie Fisher's mom died. I know. Um, and it's just, but it, it's now our our frame of reference of people that we've grown up with that, that are dying. But we're here to talk mostly about George Michael. Yes, we want to, we want to pay tribute. I mean, it was, I, I almost didn't believe it when I saw it. When I saw the post, I was like, oh, Twitter hoax. Mm-hmm. This is, this can't be real. This can't be happening. And then I literally yelled out, no, when I realized it was true. Went onto social media. And the amazing thing was that all my friends from all different walks of life, all different ages, backgrounds, Every single one of them was posting about George Michael. He literally went across all, all, all genres yeah. of people, all, all age groups. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he, he was unbelievably accessible to the masses, literally. Yeah. And, and it really wasn't. And, you know, through the show, we're going to celebrate a lot of his music and talk about, um, a lot of, um, a lot of the good stuff that he did. Um, and I want to keep it like controversy free because unfortunately, like so much of him is linked to controversy because he was such a massive tabloid star. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you don't know his story is basically George Michael broke out with Wham at the age of like 18 or 19. And they were like this first manufactured type pop band that blew up in the time of tabloids blowing up. Yeah. So you almost had George Michael and Princess Diana that were like constantly stalked and he grew up in this fame and all he wanted to do was make music. And like what dude at that age can really handle the fame? And then there was a lot of the other personal indiscretions of his that just, like I say, it's just so ugly that so much of him 
is linked to controversy. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And, and not just awesome music, but and and philanthropy and just an all around being a really good down to earth guy. And primarily, just unbelievably talented. Like people laugh and make fun of Wham. Yeah, people who don't know any better. <laughs> well, we'll say, oh, Wham, that cheesy eighties band. But he was an unbelievably talented person, and people don't deny that. They don't deny the songwriting, the voice, all of that, the whole onstage persona, that he was larger than life in so many ways. Yeah, I mean, so you had sort of in in the sort of Wham! context is that, listen, Wham! was, I mean, we look at it now. We look at it with the reference of like almost 30 years later, and we're going, oh, so cheesy, so silly. But that's just what people looked like then. Yeah, that's it what, was all cheesy and silly. It, you was, know, it was the early 80s. That's what my uncles and my cousins and people that I knew of that age in their early 20s, that's what they looked like. Hmm. And it's just, you know, you can't like judge it by today's standards. So it's ridiculously cheesy now. Um, it's still it's still really good for what it was. It was ridiculously cheesy, mm. but back then that was very very cool. Yeah. And the hair and everything and the cheesy grin and that like sort of like deep set tan, you know, and the short shorts and all of that. The the, the yellow short shorts and the, I mean there was a there was a video that one of my friend friends posted where he's literally wearing a yellow short set. <laughs> it's an all in one. Yeah, it's like. Who wore that ever? You know what I mean? And yet, and yet they pulled it off. But they did, and people did that. And I think what, what sort of has come, come out in the past few days is how much of Wham's look. I mean, you saw George Michael as this like sort of like alpha male, um, you know, very heterosexual, just uber dude. Um, but how unconfident he was and how much of Wham's look he actually left to, to Andrew Ridgely. Yeah. Um, to say, okay, you define the look because Andrew Ridgely was the, he was actually the persona that George Michael modeled himself on. Yes. And it's so funny to find that out because everyone always thinks of Andrew as the background guy yeah. who never did anything. I never, you know, he was just literally the background guy. Yeah. Meanwhile, I mean, it was actually the other way around. He created the look and, and the feel of, of Wham where George focused on the music. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about the talents. I mean, like Keller's Whisper, which was sort of George Michael's first foray out of Wham, like the start of his his, um, his solo career, he wrote that at 17 years old. Yeah, and um, he actually he actually said that you know that wasn't a major uh, emotion emotional song for him. He said a lot of the lyrics he wrote were were throwaways. Mm. I'll never dance again. Guilty feet have got yeah. no, no no rhythm, and it was like. He said, I threw that away. And he said he was so disillusioned that that line means so much to people because it was so like, it was just nothing. And I can relate to that as a writer in that you write stuff and people go, oh, this is amazing. This is so good. You're like, like wow, really? I wrote that? that on the toilet basically. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I mean, as we found out only later, those deeply, we can say angsty, but I suppose just deeply emotional lyrics you would think that he had experienced that kind of love and feeling, but he only actually fell in love for real much later on in his life. Yeah, I think I mean, he we, said, we'll talk about it later, yeah. I think he said for the first time at 27 years old. Yeah, and I mean, but he wrote all these unbelievable love songs in his teens. Mm. But um, yeah, so one of the things that I saw posted by my many friends was um, something that is quite interesting that I didn't even know. And bringing us uh, just a way to bring George Michael into like the the pop culture of today there was and, a and and he was important i mean it's like uh, i mean like i say we remember him a lot in this like frame of controversy but i mean to this day he still remains the most played artist on uk radio yeah he still remains one of the biggest selling 
uh, artist. He He's, was one of the richest men in the UK. I mean, on royalties alone, just because his songs got played so much mm. all the time on radio. Yeah. So, and and the one we hear most now at this time of year is Last Christmas. But yeah. I mean, but that's it. He just he just kept. He just kept around, and um, sorry, I interrupted you. You're talking about yeah. how culturally influential he was, and something that has popped up, something that's become very, very popular. He was almost there at the beginning of it. Yes. So people might know there's a there's a fun little show called Carpool Karaoke with James Corden, which is um, I think on late night TV. I don't really watch TV, so I might be wrong. On late night TV in America, and. Funnily enough, before Carpool Karaoke became a thing, there was a little skit that James Corden did for Red Nose Day, which is a, char a day to like raise money for charity in the UK. And the very, very first thing that he did, which was very much like Carpool Karaoke, featured George Michael. Yeah. And it's, it's really, really fun. Let's take a listen to yeah, it. Yeah, take a listen to this. Hello? Hi, is that Smithy? Who this? Lenny. Who? Lenny Henry. Do I know you? Yes. Lenny Henry from Lenny Henry Live and Unleashed. Nah. Chef. Hey. Hope and Glory. Nah, I think you got the wrong number, mate. I'm the bloke from the Premier Inn adverts. Lenny! <laughs> How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Look, we really need your help with Comic Relief. Any chance you could give us a hand? Ah, oh, I can't. I'm spending the day with a mate. He's been away for a while. Please, Smithy. All right, I'll, I'll come in now, but this is the last time. <sighs> Idiot. Who's that then? Comic relief. They need me to go in now. But you said we were going to pick up my photos. Yeah, we'll get them later. So, can I come to comic relief then? No. Why? Because you can't. Oh, come on, let's be honest. You don't want me to come with you because you don't want to be seen with a gay man. <laughs> what? I've seen you, the way you look at that matey, what's what you call him? Gavlar? Such a pair of closet bummers. It's ridiculous. Um, excuse me. <laughs> Listen, not me. What you get up to in your spare time is up to you, all right? Why but not... can't I come to Comic Relief? Because you're a joke, George. It's embarrassing. <laughs> I can't walk into Comic Relief with you. Comic Relief's about helping people like you. <laughs> Don't put your sad face on. All right. Fine. Like or just listen to some music. Yeah? Love this one, don't you? Call me good. Uh -huh. Call me bad. Call me anything you want to, baby. George, and I know uh -huh, that you say, come on. And I know I made you happy with the one thing that you never had. Baby, I'm yours. Right, I'm going in. You wait here, OK? Don't go wandering around looking for trouble. All right, all right. Where am I going to go? Be back in a bit. Love you. <laughs> Don't be long! <sighs> How did it go? 
So Mac is doing the appeal film. Gordon Brown's rapping with JLS. Justin Bieber was on the keys. I think it was a good day's work. Not as good as this. What I love so much about this clip is he really just is taking the mickey out of himself. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, that's what comes across like very strongly is how aware he is about how ridiculous he can be. Um, it's, I mean, listen, it's the same format as carpool karaoke. It's pretty much shot with the two of them in the car. Yeah. Um, you can look for it yourself on YouTube to see it, but it's, it's really funny. He's really, he is really aware of how silly, how ridiculous, um, and, and just sort of like, Maybe what a character of himself he started to become. Yeah. You know, um, listen, obviously it, we're not the only one with, uh, George Michael memories. If anyone's got anything, wants to say anything, wants to send us a message, uh, you can send us a WhatsApp to 079-748-2090 and just let us know. It can be the silliest thing about George Michael and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll give a bit of a shout out there. Um, let's jump into another song. This is, I mean, the most well-known Wham song. This is the one that, like, if you have to say to people who don't even know, name one Wham song, this is the one they're going to give you, right? Right. So much, uh, so much uh, of neon. Just you know, the funny thing is, as I watch this video again, like, you know, when you associate a memory with a color, yeah, my childhood is pink and yellow, just like he was with the, with the pink shirt and the yellow gloves. That scene where he like holds his hands across his shoulders, that that those colors are my childhood. I feel like I feel like I've lost someone who I grew up with, which I did. I mean, I did grow up with him. He was, I know, Wham was just like, it was a really, I know, for anybody who like grew up in the 80s, um, Wham was just all those around. They were just a really, really, just big part of music and culture and, and, um, and our lives, really. So one thing that sort of popped up the past few days is, uh, Desert Island Discs is a, um, radio show that they do in the UK on the BBC where they basically get in different celebrities and say, right, typical thing, you're stranded on a desert island. What are the seven, eight, nine discs and albums that you couldn't live without? And, uh, the George Michael one has obviously popped up in the last few days. And, um, in between the music and talking about the music, they talk about, you know, you start to really uncover and they talk about the people's lives and they really open up. Uh, the interviewer, she's got a really nice style about her. Yeah. Um, and, um, I think a lot of George's humility. See, I'm even calling him George now. Okay. Yeah. It's not even George First Michael. I was Mr. Michael. Hopefully it'll be Sir George Michael. But, um, right now, so I'm just calling him George. Okay. okay. I'll call him Yorgos very soon. So, and, um, he really opens up and he's really natural and fun and self-deprecating and making a lot of fun of himself. And um, so I think what we're going to do in the next couple of minutes is sort of talk through that interview and play some of the cool clips that popped out of it and also talk about some of the music. I mean, Dory, you want to jump into some of the the songs that he did choose? I had to listen to this last night, and I was 
not surprised by some of the songs and unbelievably surprised by others. Like some was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Like uh, with Pet Shop Boys, you go, okay, cool. Pet Shop Boys made sense. Amy Winehouse made sense to me. He chose an Amy Winehouse song. He was, um, so what he said about Amy Winehouse is not only as an artist, as a songwriter, um, and he just said to, you know, don't, and this was before Amy Winehouse died. Yeah. Is don't let them bring you down. Don't let them destroy you. He actually said it twice. Yeah. Um, so sad. In the show, you yeah. know, and it's almost like him knowing, him knowing what she was going through and uh, it's, it's really powerful. Um, Nirvana. That was a surprise. He hey. chose Nirvana. I, that, that, that I was not expecting. Oh, it smells like teen spirit. That was quite interesting. Uh, Kanye West, Gold Digger. Yeah. Which, I mean, he said that it, <laughs> what did he say? He said it was a song that he, can't not move to so like he loves, likes dancing to it and i could just actually picture that yeah sure um i wasn't too surprised by that um but yeah nirvana definitely surprised me and then he chose a roxy music song which was one of the 70s ones yeah. I, I wasn't very familiar with it i have to say not really my cup of tea yeah um not totally surprised because you know he's only a little bit older than me <laughs> well okay no a fair amount older but a fair amount, <laughs> fair amount but um he seemed to also kind of like us like music that was before his time yeah you know what i mean like not so much growing up with the contemporary stuff that you grow up with like for example right now my child should be listening to justin bieber but she's listening to wham yeah. because i'm a good parent <laughs> Because <laughs> you want to give your children the things that you had, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, and and she does. But in in the Desert Island Discs, she does make a point of it of saying, you know, um, she actually thought he'd have much older stuff. Yeah. Um, and not so contemporary. You know, trying to you know like because he wants to keep his finger on the pulse. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it is interesting because you can actually hear in his music how how um his range of influence and um what 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 is you know i think what's surprising about about george michael and how his career went is that he started off with this very bubble gummy wake me up before you go go mm. and then i mean he won grammys for soul yeah. soul musician and he you know he's often you know revered to revered and referred to as you know one of the most soulful voices of his generation. Yeah. Not just in the UK. One of my friends actually posted an article last night. I'm not sure where it was from, which was, I think the title was actually called George Michael was a black thing. Yeah. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. And what, what I see a, a tweet that said, um, you know, if, if you're a black kid and you didn't grow up listening to George Michael, there was something wrong with you. <laughs> and, but I think that was it. It was, it, he was just soulful. And it's like, it really breaks this image of that, that wham image and yeah. takes him into a new space. So there were a couple of clips that he said, uh, little things he said in Desert Island Discs that we really liked. And, you know, I think he opened with this, which, which is just what we're talking about right now and breaking him from the controversy. I genuinely believe that, you know, the purpose of what I do is a positive one. You know, I really do genuinely believe that most of my songs are life-affirming in some way, you know, and that actually people who don't care about your music thinking lots of things about you that aren't true, it really doesn't matter. Which is really cool, you know, because yeah. it, it was about the music and it is that thing. And I really wanted to play that because it's that thing of breaking him from the nonsense. And I'm really kind of glad to, to know that he didn't really care about the bad things that people were saying about him. Yeah. Yeah. That it just was about the music. So, so in that same Desert Island Discs, at the end of it, she says to him, okay, right. Two books you take with you. Mm -hmm. So he names the two books and she says, what's a sort of like pleasure item? 
that you take your luxury item. your luxury item yeah. and this was done just after he had his um license taken away yeah uh, for his being, driver's license his driver's license so he's like well since i'm on a desert island um i take a car and yeah. i can just drive around and because no nobody no. there will stop me <laughs> exactly <laughs> um so you know very, very self-aware um she spoke to him about his career and uh, sort of like you know the, these peaks and troughs and and the controversy and this is sort of what he had to say about living with the controversy in a strange way i've spent much of the last 15 or 20 years trying to derail my own career because it never seems to suffer. I suffer like crazy. I suffer all around it. I've suffered terrible things, obviously bereavements and and public humiliations and blah, blah, blah. But my career just seems to always write itself like a duck in a bath. I love that. I love mm-hmm. that. Just write itself like a, a duck in a bath, no matter what he tried to do. But it almost sounds like he was on purpose trying to like see how far he could push it probably and and earlier in that and i didn't pull the clip out but earlier in that in that same uh, piece yeah he talks about how he felt his talent would always get help him get away with stuff so he spoke about obviously his uh descendants he's a greek cypriot and being the only boy in the family he got away with a lot yeah he the, the girls didn't get away with anything but he as the boy because it was very patriarchal yeah got away with and he felt really guilty about that. And he felt saying. guilty about it, but it's sort of like put in his head that he could get away with a lot. Yeah. And because he was so supremely talented that not so much that he had, didn't have to work as hard, but that mm. he could really push things because his talent would excuse the rest of it. And what's so interesting is that even with this awareness of his talent, there was still a humility. It wasn't like yeah. a, you know what I mean, like a conceited kind of thing. With him, yeah, yeah, um, and then one, you know, obviously, I, mean, I don't want to, we don't hark too much on the controversy, but obviously, a big part of his story was his very public outing, yeah, um, and you know, if you don't know the story of that, is that he kept his sexuality. I mean, he never publicly. Not really secret, yeah. but just kind of, I don't know, didn't like make a thing of it, I guess. Exactly. It was almost like, I think if he, if he had come out in a normal way, people would have been like, oh, yeah, but we sort of knew. Yeah. So he had to come out in the most spectacular way ever in that he was in L.A. and he solicited a police officer. Well, who was undercover. Uh, undercover Wasn't police, on purpose. Exactly. <laughs> um, an undercover police officer and invited him into a public bathroom for a little bit of a fun time. Yeah. And um, and then obviously that makes big news and then ends up in a he turns it he turns the whole situation into a hit song. Yeah. Um, but this is what he had to, had to say about his very public outing. Oh, God, yeah. Because I, I'm not a liar. I'm too honest to, to dye my hair. I'm too embarrassed to dye my hair. I'm not a liar, you know. But uh, this was one uh, lie that I'd been been kind of trying to tell people in my own way for years and years. And I don't know, some something in me picked the most difficult way to do it. Hey, typical George Michael. He's going to do it. In style. He's going to do it in style. Gotta have That was one of the happier, bouncier songs that I'll always remember him for. Um, his first big solo hit after Wham officially broke up. Yeah. So, I mean, we're just talking off air about, about Wham. So, I mean, we've so far, I mean, our show is normally an 80s show, but we will. Da- and we're quite strict with the rules usually. We are quite strict. And that it has to be from the 80s only. Up to 31 January, 9, 31 December, <laughs> 1989. Yeah. Um, but we're actually talking about Wham, despite like having so many hits and being such like a, uh, having such an impact, they like burnt bright for like three years. Yeah. Um, because that Faith was George Michael's first solo 
hit. Yeah. Um, you know, Careless Whisper he did by himself, but he's still credited it as a and wham. And Careless Whisper was still on a wham album. As a, a wham album. And I think it was a, a thing with, they just started to break into America and, uh, he, they didn't want to strategically break away from wham. And all of a sudden introduced George Michael because wham, mm. you know, had a bit of a name. Um, but, um, so wham burned brightly for like three years and the bulk of his real hit songs span, I mean, pretty much up until the, the mid 2000s. And I mean, and he was working on new material apparently. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was planning on releasing a new album next year. So it was ongoing, really. You know, and you, you listen to Faith and, and um, you take sort of like the references there, you know, and I think people remember that. So that's where the designer stubble came about. Yeah. yeah, the little like crucifix or the little cross earring, Denim. the denims. And I mean, in, in that music video, there's like a three second pan up his George Michael bum, <laughs> you know. Um, and so Faith, like, and George Michael was a very big influence on Robbie Williams, who then became a very big influence on a lot of, you know, the UK artists now. So it's, it's sort of like passing on of the baton, you know, and I think yeah. Robbie Williams tweet was like, you know, just, oh, God, no sort of thing, you know, because he was such a big influence on him. Um, so we move out of um, Wham!, which was very poppy and bubblegummy and um, a, a, a hateful woman stealing his money. <laughs> Um, a lot of the songs were about women stealing his money or stealing his freedom, his, you know, like, I mean, Young Guns was about, oh, God, you're trapping me with or, this baby now. Or every, everything, everything she wants. Everything she wants is about you just, I just have to work like an absolute slave and you're going to spend all my money. They had a, a lesser known song on their album Make It Big called Credit Card Baby, which is about using my credit card baby. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not not a great song, let's be honest. But I mean So but that's what happens. That's, where, that's, so, that seems to be what he was obsessed with. Well you can which write, is probably why I decided to turn to men. <laughs> well yeah, I mean you can write <laughs> Careless Whisper when you're seventeen. But if you're writing songs at seventeen, eighteen you're gonna write some duds, right? <laughs> yeah. So um uh we mentioned earlier that he only fell in love for the first time at twenty seven years old. And it was with a uh, a Brazilian man um that he he said there was a moment he just saw it and there was just a click and Which he was said like love at first sight, love at first thing, sight yeah. sort of thing and fell in love with the guy and um, the guy had was terminally ill with uh, AIDS. And after he passed away, he says that the best, um, the best stuff he wrote, but also sort of like joined in with the worst times in his life was he doesn't handle bereavement well. Yeah. So this is a case. I'm going to play Jesus to a child. This is a case of him channeling the bereavement into a really good space but then a lot of the really bad things was because he just didn't handle bereavement well and because he wasn't tied to a record label at that time he had no one to kick him in the ass and say okay you've got to move now we've got to carry on yeah. so he just like stayed in these these really dark places for every single I think uh, knowing the context of that song, you know, it just makes it a lot more powerful. The lyrics, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, from his album Older, and I think a lot of his really good work came, came from Older. It was almost like, okay, time to grow up now, and um, yeah, let me show you what I'm really made of, almost kind of thing. But it really uh, was, hey, yeah, you're right. It, it was, it, it really was that sort of that sort of moment. So we actually, I mean, I remember Paolo because we've been friends for a while now. In 2011, when George Michael had that uh, severe health scare, yeah, he was in Vienna. He was touring, 
and he picked up some really bad pneumonia, ended up in hospital in a coma. And we went into a little bit of a panic. We were like, oh, my God, this is it? This I, thought is that, it? I thought that was the one. I thought that's the one he's going to take him out. Yeah. Um, but then he survived that. He survived that. He fell out a car, believe it or not, on the motorway. Yeah. Um, but the, and after that, I thought uh, the man's going to live till ninety. Nine lives, you got away with the two. Um, but you want to tell me a little bit? You found something. I found this really funny clip where he talks about when he was in the coma, um, and he, of course he was surrounded by his family, and they they you know when he woke up eventually they told him this really funny story of what happened when he woke up from the coma. Let's have a listen. I swear to God, I swear this is true. I came out of my coma, talking in this West Country accent. <laughs> and um hiya Kath. Do you remember that? Yes, hiya of course Kath. we do, yeah. And she's and a sort of psychotic suburban yeah, she's for people who haven't seen trying, the show. Yeah, a, she basically well when I saw the first episode I thought I really shouldn't be laughing at this. Mm. It was really uncomfortable because basically it's the story of a woman who's trying to nick her next door neighbour's husband, even though her next door neighbour, this poor woman, has multiple cirrhosis, she has decided to take advantage of the situation. Yes, it's dark. And, and to seal Angus Aiden. It's very dark indeed. But the strange thing was, and I swear this is true, the first question, and I did it all, and apparently I did this for days, but the first question they asked me, you know when they do the thing you see on the TV all the time, um, do you know who you are, George? Do you know who you are? And apparently... I said, I, the first thing I said when I woke up was they said, do you know who you are? And I said, king of the world? <laughs> <laughs> right. Apparently that's really true. I didn't know that for months afterwards. King of the world, hey? Well, that's how we always thought of him. So Yeah. Um, so we we talk a lot about the different types of music. I, I really like it. Again, you know, every time you hear from him, you just hear the humor and the, this just understanding of really who he is. And the character of, it's almost like he was very aware that he was playing a character. That, that's sort of what I've, I've taken out of a lot of stuff that's come out in the past few days. Mm. Um, listen, obviously I'm a massive fan of the music and what I always like is his range. So you come out of something like, um, uh, Jesus to a child, you've got the wham stuff, you've got the faith. Um, this is one song I've insisted on playing. I just think it's so cool because it's so different. It's not what you think of George Michael. They're really different jazzy sound it's called kissing a fool take a listen to this If I had to put that, if I had to play that to you and say, guess who that is, you'd never say it's George Mark. You would. Okay, yes. Yeah. But other people might not. Other people might. What, what an artist. I mean, and I think that's sort of what we love so much about him. I mean, I think a lot of the, the jokes and the laugh is about, you know, the character. Um, but, uh, you know, I think we've discovered and gone through this hour just what a great artist and musician he really was. And it's not like he was releasing new music every day. So it's not like we're going to miss new stuff and or he had just started tapping his potential i 
have to say, and I mean, I know this was probably very unrealistic of me, but I still held out hope of a Wham reunion tour that I was going to mortgage my house to go and see. Hologram story. Holograms. Could happen. Could happen. They, they, they did it in Star Wars Rogue One. They brought back dead actors. Um, they made Carrie Fisher 17 again. Same. So it won't be uh, hol- holograms. That's, okay. that's our hope for All the right. future. Um, listen, been a really cool show. Um, thank you very much, Dory. Thank you very much, George Michael, for the music. Thank you, George. Um, and I, I think it'll always be there. We really want to close up with a really, really powerful song. George Michael and Alton John. Don't let the sun go down on me. Um, once again, thank you, George Michael. Thanks for the music. It's brought a lot of people together and, um, rest in peace. Rest in peace. Central.com